So have you ever heard someone talking about going through just a really difficult circumstance in their life, and then they follow it with a little phrase like this, and it was Christmas time, as though there ought to be certain days and certain seasons when the storms of life are just not allowed. But we know that's not how it works. Uh, This last week, I had a storm roll through my neighborhood. In fact, if I look out my front door, just down the street, I mean like less than 100 yards, there are two massive trees that were just snapped. One laying in the yard, one laying on someone's house. It's the third week of December. Well, we know that the same can be true in the storms of life. They can happen anytime and they can happen to anyone. Today, we're gonna find that that was absolutely the case even in the Apostle Paul's life. We have arrived at the 27th chapter of Acts. We are almost through our journey this year. In this chapter, Dr. Luke records the story of Paul's voyage toward Rome, a storm and a shipwreck. Now Luke was not a sailor, but this chapter, he is such a careful historian that it is interesting, it, is, it has become a most valuable writing for those who study ancient sailing methods of the first century on the Mediterranean. I mean, he talks about one moment in the storm where the sailors wrap ropes around the hull of the boat and they literally are trying to hold the thing together. But for us today, it's more than that. It is a most valuable writing for navigating the storms of life. Storms that come even at Christmas. So welcome. I want to thank you for taking the time to be here today. I want to thank everyone from campuses today to mission sites to wherever you may be joining us from today. Some of you are joining us from long distances. I want to thank you. And every once in a while, I feel like I should pause um, and just kind of remind you where we are located. Um, We are located near the home of the team that currently sits atop the AFC. That's where we we live. You like how I worked that in? I actually thought you would cheer more than that. I really did, but it's Christmas. I know everybody's trying to act right, right? Go Chiefs and Merry Christmas. But it is likely that this Christmas... And I would say maybe like most Christmases, maybe this is happening for you in the context of a storm of life. I would say, I bet Joseph would say that his first Christmas was somewhat of a storm. The baby is not his. And although he knows what God is doing 
Nobody else really gets the picture of what God is doing. And who's going to believe that story? And on top of that, how about the pressure of being the parent of God? I don't know. Maybe that makes your storm feel a little bit better. But it's still a storm, whatever you're going through. And I want to start with, they they are three truths that if you know God, These truths change your perspective when you go through a storm. So for today's purposes, because of the context of the story that we are reading in Acts 27, I'm going to call them anchors in the storm. For example, this is an anchor. When things are out of control, they are never out of God's control. That's an anchor for those of us who know God. A couple of weeks ago, I gave you the word sovereignty. We believe in the sovereignty of God. It means the the overarching, all-encompassing everything of time and eternity, right? He is sovereign over it all. And within that umbrella of his sovereignty is also his providence, which means he, he measures our steps. He is going before us. And all of that, he holds in his hand. So this is an anchor for us. When we go through the storm, we know when things are out of control, they're never out of God's control. Let me give you a second anchor. We aren't necessarily out of God's will when we are in a storm. We know that to be true. In the story today with Paul, Jesus said, you're going to Rome. Guess where Paul's going? To Rome. And in the middle of sailing on the, on the direction that God told him to go, there is a storm. Now, sometimes it has been known that we make bad decisions. And when we make bad decisions that are contrary to the heart and the plan of God, there are consequences to that. And sometimes they very much look and feel like storms. But not every storm that you go through is necessarily because you are outside of the will of God. Today's story represents that. Paul is right where he's supposed to be, and he's in a storm again. Let me give you one more. We are never out of God's care when we're in a storm. Never outside of his care. Sometimes I don't understand what God's doing in the storm. And sometimes, just to be honest, I can't necessarily feel his presence always in the storm. But I have learned that my perception does not determine his proximity. Just because I can't feel it doesn't mean he ain't there. The truth is he is there and he does care. Now, that's enough by itself for a reason for you to be here today. Three anchors, the truth that God gives us, this is what help holds us in the storm. What I want you to see today from this story, when we know these truths, then we realize our responsibility in the storm is to trust openly 
in God's care for us. Again, when I know he's in control, when I know it's his plan, right? When I know he cares for me, then my, my responsibility when I'm in the storm is to trust openly in God's care for me. I'm supposed to trust him and it's not supposed to be a secret because what if, what if God is working something in this storm that is bigger than me? So two views that I wanna give you out of this statement, trusting God openly in the storm, two views. Both of them come from Acts 27. Here's the first view. Our responsibility in the storm is to trust him openly. This does not mean that we ignore common sense or wisdom. Now, I'm, I'm making this statement because I believe there is a wisdom that God gives that if, that if you don't know him, man, there are just some things you're not going to see. You're not going to see spiritual things. You need the spirit of God to do that. But God also gives you a brain, and he gives you the ability to reason. And there is some of what we sometimes call common sense or, or human wisdom. It does not mean we ignore that. We see this repetitively in this chapter. Let me show you several examples. Uh, let's start Acts chapter 27, verse 9. Check it out. Much time had been lost, and sailing had already become dangerous because by now it was after the day of atonement. I'll explain. So Paul warned them, men, I can see that our voyage is going to be disastrous and bring great loss to ship and cargo and to our own lives also. But the centurion, this is the centurion who's in charge of the ship. He's in charge of Paul the prisoner, all right? Instead of listening to what Paul said, followed the advice of the pilot and of the owner of the ship. Since the harbor was unsuitable to winter in, the majority decided that we should sail on, hoping to reach Phoenix and winter there. This was a harbor in Crete facing both southwest and northwest. So here's what's happening here. They've been on this boat for a little while already, and the wind is such that they are having to tack back and forth super slow. They're not making much progress at all. They finally land at this particular port, and Paul's words are here, we're, we're past the Day of Atonement. The Day of Atonement, scholars tell us, in, in this particular year would have been October, later October. Well, in that part of the world, on the, on the sea, on the Mediterranean Sea, anything after mid-September was risky to sail. And almost no one was crazy enough to sail after mid-November. In other words, when you read this story, you realize it's happening very similar to the, like, the time of year that we're in right now. The reason they wouldn't sail, frequent storms. And Paul's saying, we shouldn't sail. Now, when you read 2 Corinthians, which has already been written before this story, Paul says to them, I've been shipwrecked three times. That's before this one. In other words, he's got a little life 
under, right? He's, he's been through this before. He says, I was, at, I was floating in the open sea for a day. He knows it's common sense. Just a little wisdom here. But the rest of them say what? Yeah, we're going to sail on. We don't want to spend the winter in this little podunk town. What are we going to do in this town all winter? Nobody wants to stay in this little place. Plus, they lean into the, 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 we would say the captain of the ship, right? The pilot, it says, of the ship and the owner of the ship. Well, what do they care about? Money! Let's get this ship on the water. The more we move the ship, the more money we make. Decisions are being made here with the factors of comfort and wealth. Welcome to our world. How many times have you seen people make decisions in life based on comfort and wealth rather than even common sense? Let me show you another one in this chapter. So they sail, and guess what? It's a storm. And they have fought this storm for many days, and uh, they're really starting to grow desperate. Let's pick it up in verse 30. In an attempt to escape from the ship, the sailors let the lifeboat down into the sea, pretending they were going to lower some anchors from the bow. Then Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, unless these men stay with the ship, you cannot be saved. So the soldiers cut the ropes that held the lifeboat and let it drift away. What's happening here? They don't know where they are in terms of it's dark on these waters. They are measuring, the story says, and they can tell the water is getting more shallow, which means there is the risk that they are going to crash into the rocks. And so the sailors on board the ship, now there's, there's soldiers on the ship, there's prisoners like Paul on the ship, but the sailors on the ship say, let's jump in the lifeboat. We'll move out a little bit and act like we're actually dropping more anchors to help secure the boat. But when we get out there, we'll be saved. Who cares about the rest of them? Paul knows what's happening. And so he goes to the, to the people who can do something about it, the soldiers, and he says, hey, don't let the sailors leave the boat. Don't let the pilot jump out with the parachute. We got to land this plane. Common sense. Common sense. Let me give you one more. Verse 33. Just before dawn, Paul urged them all to eat. For the last 14 days, he said, you have been in constant suspense and have gone without food, you haven't eaten anything. Now I urge you to take some food. You need it to survive. Not one of you will lose a single hair from his head. Why does the Bible always talk about hairs on head? Why is that such a big deal? All right, that's what I always want to know. Does this little part tell you how intense the storm was? We're not talking about some people on a boat who are struggling just to get where they want to go. For 14 days, they have fought a storm that is so intense that they would not even eat because they thought 
they were going to die. And Paul comes to a place where he's like, just, I mean, you can read the story for yourself. He knows they're going to crash. And he knows that they've got to have strength to get to shore. He's like, you got to eat. You got to eat. Some of you perhaps have been through some storms in life and it affected even those basic habits of your life. Like sometimes you, you wouldn't eat like you were supposed to eat. For others of us, it makes us eat more than we, sh- we should eat. But we get it how storms can affect even those very basic things. Paul just says, look, th- this is common sense. You got to eat some food. My point in all of this is that sometimes people seem to imply That when you trust Jesus, it means that you simply cast all reason to the wind and you just start doing things that are absurd. Well, sometimes, listen to me, sometimes Jesus may direct you to act by faith in a way that the rest of the world would look at and say, that's foolish, there's no way you should do that. Sometimes God will call you to do that. The point today is just make sure that's actually what he's telling you to do. Don't assume. Trusting Jesus and using the brain that he gave you, trusting Jesus and using the common sense that he gives you are not necessarily opposed to one another. He gives us the privilege of being a part of the mission. We have a part. Sometimes that's using the brain he's given you. I love a story. Back in the day, um, there's always this argument over who the best basketball player uh, to ever play the game is. Um, I grew up in Michael days, and so there is no discussion. There is no argument. Um, There was one night that Michael Jordan scored 69, 69. The story is that on that same night, a teammate of his, a rookie forward by the name of Stacy King, scored one. And after the game, this rookie's comment was this, I will always remember this night as the night Michael and I scored 70. (laughs) I love that, because that is exactly how I feel about me and God on this mission that he's always getting victories in. That's exactly how I feel. I think that is the picture. Do I have a part? Yes, I do. I mean, he gives me a part in that. He gives you a part in that. Sometimes it is simply using the wisdom that he gives us to navigate as we are sailing on this journey. But come on, we all know who the star is, is Jesus. I absolutely love that story. So our responsibility in the storm is to trust openly in God's care for us. Doesn't mean that we ignore common sense, but it does mean that we will be different than those who do not know God. We will be different in the storm than those who do not know God in the storm. 
And this story, again, has several examples that today I want to encourage you with. Here's the first one. For example, we speak of courage when others feel hopeless. Every day of your life, I would bet, somewhere in that day, you are walking by, driving by, encountering in some way somebody who has started to feel the hopelessness of a storm. I don't do it all the time, but every once in a while I find myself, you know, just making a run to the grocery store and I need to pick up something for dinner. And as I'm walking through that store, every once in a while, I just wonder, like the people that I pass, I wonder what their story is today. I wonder what their storm is today. When you know God is in control, and when you know that you may be in the storm, but it's not because you've done something wrong, you're still where God wants you to be, and when you know that he still cares for you, you have the privilege of speaking courage into the lives of those who feel hopelessness. Check this out, verse 20. Here's what it says, when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. On this day, there are no instrument panels on the ship. We got no radar, we got no sonar. How did, they, how did they travel? The stars. And we just read that if this thing has been going on for 14 days, they haven't seen the stars for 14 days. Not only are they not winning against the wind that is pushing them, they just have no idea where they are. But Paul responds, and this is what he says in verse 24. Last night, an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me and he said, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar and God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So keep up your courage. For I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. Nevertheless, we must run aground on some island. That cracks me up. I don't know why. Every time I read that part, he's like, be courageous, but we're going to crash. All right? Which I think makes be courageous even more important. Now, when some of you read that story, I think this might be where your head goes. Because it could be where mine goes. Well... If I had an angel of God show up in my room and tell me how the storm's going to end, I'd probably have courage too. And I often say to myself, don't kid yourself. Yeah, I think sometimes God speaks specifically into storms still sometimes I think God gives clarity in storms and, and in a sense he he 
he has a word about how we're going to go through that. But I think more of the time, he is calling us to trust the details of the storm to him. His sovereignty and his providence. And he calls us to keep trusting the anchors, his control, his plan, his care. Because every once in a while, God has to remind me, he has already spoken those things to me. I don't need an angel to show up in my house to say it because he already spoke it to me from his word. It's just sometimes I don't think about that if I haven't read that lately. If I haven't been in his word and I'm reading those things that that he repetitively gives in scripture that cracks me up every once in a while sometimes you know people who are following Jesus and you, you know you you know from a pastor standpoint you give them like the best thing you got and they're like yeah I've heard that before it's like well you're probably going to need to hear it 50 more times in your life if you're actually going to believe it and live it out if you're like me like I need to hear it all the time I, I need those reminders all the time God in control I don't ever get tired of hearing that God's still got the plan, not a single day that I don't need to hear that. God still cares even when I can't feel that he might be there. There is never a time that I don't need those things repeated in my life. I'm saying to you, God has given you his word, story after story, truth after truth. When you are in it, you are reminded often. And when you are reminded, you are able to speak courage when others begin to feel hopeless. Let me give you another one. We're, we're supposed to be different, different than those who don't know God. Here's the second one. We pray for others even when others are only concerned with themselves. We pray for others even when others are only concerned with themselves. Have you noticed that when some people go through storms, some of them will turn inward? Some people will turn inward in that they may, you know, leave where they are and try to go somewhere else as though somehow, right, a change of geography will fix the storm. Some people don't change geography, but they just sort of close all the hatches and say, we're just going to protect ourselves and in a way, we're going to shut the rest of the world out. That's what the sailors were trying to do on the ship. We're just going to save our backside and let everybody else, whatever happens to them, no worry. But in this, Paul's praying for them. You're like, how do, where does it say Paul's praying for him? Well, check out again what Paul quoted from the angel, verse 24. Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar. And God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail. God has given you, Paul, what you were asking for. Paul's been praying that everybody would be safe. He's been praying that 
that God would protect them. I'm reminding you today that Jesus' followers do what Jesus did. We keep loving others in the storm, even when the others may be the cause of the storm. Well, when did Jesus ever do that? The cross. For which I was the cause. And you were the cause. And he loved. Let me give you one more. We give thanks when others feel lost. We give thanks when others feel lost. Remember, the crew had not eaten. And Paul says we got to eat. But when they eat, he takes advantage of that opportunity. And look at what it says again in verse 35. After he said this, he took some bread and he gave thanks to God in front of them all. He gave thanks to God in front of them all. Even in the storm, Paul sees something to be thankful for. And in most of our lives, even in the storm, most of us still probably have a hundred things to be thankful for. And you don't have to ignore the storm to see the things to be thankful for. You don't. You don't have to just bury your head in the sand. And, and, and no, you, you can still, God, help me see the blessings that you still give. Now, if you think God owes you, if you think that you deserve better than what you're going through, you're probably n- never really going to truly be thankful. But Paul knows that's not the case. God doesn't owe him anything, he, he doesn't deserve more. And so he's thankful and he does it openly. The point is not to draw attention to how holy Paul is to pray and to thank God. The point is to draw attention to the one who had provided the food and was still keeping them alive. Because what if? I know this is crazy. This is crazy. But what if sometimes you're in the storm for others? And I didn't put it in the form of a question. I put it with an exclamation point because the point is sometimes you are in a storm for others. What a crazy thought that something might not be about me? Who does life that way? Jesus and those who follow him. Now, don't get me wrong. I think it's okay to ask, you know, God, why, why are we going through this storm? I think that's okay to ask God. In fact, I think he wants us to come to him. I don't think that's necessarily 
a lack of faith. God, God, can I ask why we're going through this storm? I think it's okay to go, God, I want to make sure that this is not me. I want to make sure that I didn't, God, is there anything that I'm some consequences of here? I think it's okay to ask those things. But I also think it's important to ask, God, is there someone in this storm that you want them to know how you love God, is there somebody in this storm that this is what you're using to show them how much you care? And if that's the case, then going through the storm with them means you get to experience the work of Jesus even in the storm. Sometimes, What I experience of him is not just what he's doing for me in the storm. Sometimes I get to witness what he's doing for somebody else in the storm. Somebody that he, this is the picture of God, right? Hands on their face and he's saying, look at me. I love you. And I have come to realize I'd rather be in the storm and know more of Jesus than on calm waters and not recognize his presence. Now don't hear, don't, don't, listen, I don't want any storms. I'm not asking for any storms. I don't go looking for storms. I prefer calm water. But what I have learned about me is that I tend to lean more into Jesus when the waters are rough. Oh, okay. I want to, I want to, I want to grow in that so that that doesn't always have to be the case. But if it means knowing more of Him, He is worth more than comfort. Long time ago, there was a guy by the name of Reginald Fessenden. Fessenden. That's worse than Funderburg. No, it's not. Funderburg actually has more letters than Fessenden. So we're just going to call him Fez, all right? Fez was actually one of Thomas Edison's chief inventors. That's pretty cool. And he is given credit for inventing the AM radio, right? Some of you have never seen an AM radio, but perhaps you've heard of such AM radio. And at first, all it could do, which seems like such a ridiculous statement when you're the first of anything, but but all it could do was transmit Morse code, which was a big deal in those days because ships in the Atlantic for the first time could actually communicate with one another. And and through the AM radio, they could hear the tap, 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 right? It it gave them connection and it gave them, them contact that they didn't have before. But Fez didn't quit there. He kept working at that invention until it came to the place that he thought he could actually transmit human voice. 
And 125 years ago, on Christmas Eve, 1906, with no press release, no email blast, no trending hashtags on social media, the very first words spoken over the radio made their way across those dark waters. He opened the book that was near him, which was a Bible. And he began to read the Christmas story from Luke chapter 2. I imagine in my head how rough that sound was. It's the first time. It's, it's an AM radio in the middle of the, of the ocean. I, I imagine how much static Right, how rough, but oh, how beautiful. That on those dark waters in the silence of night, sea captains and sailors heard for the very first time human voice. Mm. Actually, they heard more than that. They heard the very words of God. For some of us, maybe this season looks, looks a lot less like a Christmas wonderland and a lot more like a shipwreck, a Christmas shipwreck. Maybe it's family stuff, maybe marriage kids, and you're trying to save it, and it feels like it's just floating further and further out to sea. Maybe it's your health, and sometimes the weight of what you have to carry when you're wrestling with health issues, it, it, can, it can just f make you feel like life is sinking. Whatever your storm may be today, just for a second, will you just pause? Will you just stop? And will you just acknowledge the one who is in control, who still owns the plan, and who still cares? I'm not going to ask you to do anything goofy right here, but I, I am going to ask you, and maybe just for a second, just a minute, to just close your eyes. Just close your eyes. And as you, as you feel the effect of the storm that's taking place in your life right now, the out-of-control waves that you feel like are just pushing you back and forth. Maybe you feel like the, the clouds have covered the stars for so long that you don't even know where you are, much less where to turn next. In that darkness, 
for just a minute. I want you to hear the words. First transmitted long before 1906, but words that still echo across dark waters for all who feel hopeless and afraid. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. God, today, I lift up every heart. God, listening to my voice of going through the storm. Your words are do not be afraid. And God, I'm asking today that those words would not just be words that we read on a, on a page or a screen, but God, today, those would be words that you would write on our hearts. Do not be afraid. Because the good news is there is a Savior. And for us, we know Jesus changes everything. God, I pray today for those who perhaps for the first time need to turn to you. God, maybe those who never, they, maybe they've, they've heard, they know the truths, but have never turned their lives to you. God, today I pray that you would give them courage to simply turn their hearts toward you and to ask that you would forgive and that you would live within us and hold us. God, I pray today for your kids who maybe have done that long ago, but most all of us, God, we need it daily. Do not be afraid. Good news a savior that we know. God, I pray for your kids today, going through struggle, going through the pain, will you give us power to walk in your presence, to believe the truths that you are in control, that you still have the plan and that you care. And that we might walk out this storm in a way that it looks like we're with you. Thank you for the things that you will do in our lives in the storm, but also thank you for helping us to see what you're doing in others' lives in the storm. Jesus, just like you did for us at the cross. God, I thank you that we get to sing now. Wherever we are, your love reaches there.
<laughs> whatever the struggle, whatever the pain, your love reaches into our storm. And as we get to sing this together now, when we say I am holding, I'm holding you, God. This is less about us holding on to you. This is about you, the great I am, who is holding on to us. And so on this Christmas, in the storm, We lift our voices, we lift our praise because in your grace, you give us faith that you, the I am, are holding us. It's in the name of Jesus that we praise you today, even in the storm, amen and amen. Let's stand, let's sing together.